0: Stop Binge Eating in its Tracks with Jonathan. Coach John is a weight loss coach and emotional eating expert who has lost over 100 pounds. From nanotechnology researcher to Navy marine engineer to globetrotting nomad, Coach John spent most of his life running from his true calling until one question changed his life. Now he is on a mission to help others lose weight for good and leave the BS diet in the rear view mirrors. You guys, I loved this conversation with Jonathan and I know you will too. Welcome back to the Thriving Thyroid Podcast where we choose to become empowered patients and take our health into our own hands. Hi, I'm Shannon Hansen, a Christian entrepreneur, a mom of three, and after dealing with my own health mysteries, I made it my mission learn everything i could about the thyroid i soon became certified as a holistic wellness practitioner a functional nutrition practitioner and a functional diagnostic practitioner and so much more after that i founded the revolutionary thyroid program the handsome method as a health professional and a mom i fully understand the importance of having a fun simple and sustainable plan for achieving a responsive thyroid so I share actionable and practical strategies for developing a responsive thyroid so that the ambitious moms and women can gain freedom from fatigue and lose the thyroid weight once and for all. Each week, I will be here for you. Along with my guest experts, we will be sharing simple and tangible tips that work for not only your thyroid, your hormones, your family, and your mindset so that you can get back to living the life that you envision for yourself. Welcome to the Thriving Thyroid Podcast. All right. Welcome, Jonathan, to the Thriving Thyroid Podcast. Super excited to be talking to you today about emotional eating and weight loss and all of the different things. So welcome.
1: Hey, thanks. It's great to to be here.
0: Yeah. So let's just dive into the meat of this and tell us a little bit about um, your story of how you lost weight.
1: Yeah. So about uh, 10 years ago, my wife and I were um, kind of globetrotting nomads. We were traveling around the world quite a bit. And we were living down in South Africa. And I went through a, quite a traumatic experience down there. I was attacked and whatnot. And um, the result of that was I became a binge eating food addict. And in about a six month span, I gained over 120 pounds. And so nothing in life really prepares you to go through anything like that. And I was certainly not equipped to to deal with it. Um, so then I had to wade into this murky world of diet and weight loss culture and uh, you know, not even knowing what to do. Um, it, it laid bare a lot of things that I didn't know. And so I kind of ended up going on this six or seven year journey of like trying every diet under the sun, losing some weight, gaining it back, losing it, getting it back, this yo-yo diet cycle, you know, feeling like there's something wrong with me. I must be a failure. Is there any hope, like wanting to give up? Uh, you know, I fell into you know, I was dealing with anxiety and depression from PTSD. Um, and yeah, I really started to hate my body and hate myself and, and feel like my body had betrayed me and felt like there was no hope. And my response was like, push harder, you know, train harder, take more stimulants, you know, take more fat burners, like, you know, try and cut calories harder and so on. It would just, it was this really destructive cycle I was in until, um, you know, I went to my doctor and we tried an anti-anxiety medication and I, I hated it because it made me feel like a zombie for like 12 hours. So he was like, okay. Um, well, there's only one option here and you have to change how you're living. And uh, so it's kind of the start of this journey of, of trying to heal my nervous system, heal that. And uh, it was around the same time. So, I mean, we just covered about seven years in a really short window of time, but uh, yeah, right. <laughs> um, so it might prompt a few questions, but then I ended up hiring a coach and, you know, I, th- I thought I was hiring this guy because, you know, he had a physique that I admired and, and kind of wanted to look like him. And I, mean, I think it was this idea that if I look like him, I'll be happy. And he didn't work with me the way that I expected. So, you know, there's a lot of projection happening as well. So because I really was like self-loathing and I just assumed everybody else saw me as like kind of a worthless failure. And so I kind of expected to be treated like that. So like, you know, if I make mistakes that he's just going to, you know, he's just going to tell me off and tell me I'm stupid and a failure and why can't I figure this out and and so on. And instead he didn't. Um, he He showed me compassion. He modeled compassion for me. He modeled self-compassion in his own life. And, uh, he, I say, he basically gave me space to wrestle with my demons in the light and never judged me for my struggles, but he just, he, he just showed me what it looks like to, to try to understand why we do what we do. And it was really this life-changing experience that I went through because, you know, here, I thought the problem was like the food I was eating, or it was the supplements or some supplement I wasn't taking, or it was my workout plan, or, you know, those were all just extraneous details. The real issue was like my relationship to myself, my, my relationship to my body, my relationship with food, this, this emotional and mental health piece. And so, yes, we worked on some of the nutritional things, but really at the heart of it was we were working through all these other issues that were actually the driver of the behavior. And, and, um, and so that, that really, that really changed my life. And it's, it dramatically shifted how I work with people because I was actually coaching people. Um, I'm, I'm quite knowledgeable and educated and, and successful, but the, 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 the hangup I had was how can I help everybody except for myself? I don't, I, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't connect the dots, but it's like, we don't know what we don't know. And, uh, so that really kind of led me into what I do now. And I kind of, the term I use is, is brain driven weight loss. And we can kind of dive into what that means, but, uh, maybe that little, that little monologue there might've prompted some questions. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, all the questions. So one of the first questions that I have is, I I know you deal with people dealing with, um, like binge eating and overeating Mm -hmm. and things like that. Do you find that a big root cause of that is trauma related, stress related, or a lack of maybe understanding about food?
1: Well, I, I'm, I'm because I've been through trauma, and I've I've been through what we call big T trauma. There's big T trauma and little T trauma. So there's like macro traumas, like myself, like a very violent incident, or there's micro traumas, or little things that build up. But I try to be careful um, around making an assumption that everybody must have some kind of trauma in their past because it's not always the case. Um, And we can, you know, we can kind of it's tempting to want to sort of go down that route and be like, Oh, you know, I want to help you heal your trauma or something. It's like, well, there isn't any trauma there. Um, right. So, uh, so sometimes it's just stress. Emotional health, it can be mental health things. Um, there's there's a variety of factors, and the one thing I say is like, while I'm educated in behavioral psychology, marketing psychology is one of one of the things that I studied at university. I'm not a psychological archaeologist. In other words, um, we're not going to dig up your past and try to fix it. But what we'll do is we'll we'll use your your past experience to help inform or understand your present behavior. So we'll we'll, we'll try to understand. Okay, this is you know the reason you're doing this. It's not actually because you're. A bad person. Uh, you have a you know a failing moral character or something like that. It's we have this piece of the puzzle in the past that's influencing your behavior today. And once we kind of connect those dots, we can start to create change.
0: Yeah, I, I sitting here thinking about like my own personal story and my own relationship with food because I feel like this is something that I've gone through phases of dealing with the when I'm stressed out, I want to eat. Right. Mm, when I'm yeah. overwhelmed, I want to eat or, and I tell you, I I joke about this, but it's, it's mm. the truth. When I'm overwhelmed, I want to bake in the co- kitchen. I want to make cookies and bread and pastry and like all of yeah, the things. Yeah. And I've, I've thought about my own reason as to why I do that. And, One of the things I noticed for myself is some of the happiest times of my childhood was when my mom was able to be a stay-at-home mom. And every day after school, she would have, okay, maybe not every day, but it felt like every day, you know, there were cookies or there were, you know, homemade donuts or something waiting for me. And so uh, for me, when I'm stressed and overwhelmed, I want to go back to that happy memory of childhood and, you know, fuel myself of you know, things that mm-hmm. I don't necessarily need, because of how it makes it how it made how I felt at the time, and then how it makes me feel, quote, unquote, in that moment. Absolutely.
1: So, that makes perfect sense. Um, yeah, th- th- there's, and, and most of us, uh, there's a lot of things that form before we're seven years old, that are going to impact us for most of our life and that's a really interesting one to realize especially like a you know i'm i'm a new parent i'm only 11 a little over 11 months into this whole parenting thing and i'm realizing that these are the formative years where what what i model not just what i say but what i model in terms of behavior and how i treat myself how i treat my wife and so on these are the things that are going to influence how my son um moves throughout the world and yeah. it's like the first 7 years are really really crucial and so like, like that's a type of escapist behavior. So it's natural response. So when we talk about, like, you know, brain-driven weight loss, it's like the brain is the driver of our behaviors, and so we kind of have three layers to our brain. We have, and obviously it's a bit of a simplification, but you know, the top layer is the part of us that really makes us human. That's our, our. We can weigh the consequences of our behavior. We have logical processing. It's called the neocortex um that the next layer down is kind of the mammal part of our brain so that's what we might share in common with uh, with other mammals uh, biologically speaking and that's where a lot of the emotions are um that's kind of the midbrain and then we have the primal brain the brain stem and this is this is a lot more like an analog switch you know feel safe feel unsafe you know um yep. feel happy you know not not feel happy feel sad but it's more like trying to protect you and keep you safe now these these parts of the brain sort of the midbrain and primal brain are, are really quite a bit stronger in a sense than the logical processing brain. It's the analogy that's often used and I forget where it originated, but it's been in a few different books that I've read. Um, it is, you know, the emotional brain is kind of like an elephant and the logical brain is like a rider trying to steer it. And when things yeah. are good, you know, the, the rider can steer the elephant, but once the elephant is upset, you can kick and shout and scream and throw all kinds of logic at it. And it really doesn't matter because it, it's so much more powerful. So, over the course of a day, you think that we, you know, you're a mom, you got uh, multiple kids, um, all kinds of demands on your time and energy and, and randomly, and it doesn't make sense because they're just, they're emotionally developing. And I mean, it does make sense, but, but it's like all of these demands in your time where you reach the place of, of decision fatigue. So that's where we've made so many decisions that basically our, our prefrontal cortex, that logical processing part of our brain defers to the emotional brain or defers to the primal brain and goes, okay, look, I just, I just can't think about these things anymore. My brain's too tired. And so it's like, well, what does your primal brain want? I want to feel comfortable and safe. Like that's all I want. And that's all that matters in this moment. You know, I'm feeling overwhelmed. Okay. I don't have, I can't think about these things anymore. I need to escape this. Well, eating a donut, eating bread, eating cookies, bingo. And that's going to give you everything you want. Now, when you think about it, it's like, okay, I feel uncomfortable, whether it's overwhelmed, scared, sad, whatever. I eat, you know, uh, some cookies and I feel better. Well, bingo! Your brain just learned something. Your brain just learned a skill. So dopamine is that neurochemical in our brain that makes us feel pleasure, but it's also a learning one. When I do this, I feel good. I repeat the behavior, and so, you know that that's the first piece of the puzzle. But now let's say as you as you start establishing that as a pattern of behavior. There's a side effect. You're very likely going to go back to that behavior more often, more often, and, and then essentially end up gaining weight. So then you go, okay, uh, we'll we'll pick on chocolate chip cookies because they're they're delicious, you know. Yes. Um, and say, okay, um, I'm going to cut out chocolate chip cookies because clearly I can't control myself around them. They're the problem. I'm just going to cut them out. Well, what's going to happen is your brain goes, hang on a sec. Those chocolate chip cookies were a solution to a problem. You took the solution away but the problem still exists. Mm. And so they're going to show up as cravings and it's not really that you need the chocolate chip. It's that they represent a solution to a problem, feel uncomfortable, eat cookies, feel better. You know, it's a very, you know, obviously again, we're simplifying, but, but we, we can make sense of that. And so the third piece of the puzzle is this really interesting part. We, we then create stories or narratives to make sense of our behavior. So you might say something like, well, I'm addicted to chocolate chip cookies. So the story there is saying, like, I'm a victim to something that holds you know, chocolate chip cookies. I'm a victim to them. They, they hold power over me. I can't control myself. Now, the way that our brain works, we filter information largely in connection with our sense of identity and the beliefs we hold. So we could say that a belief is more or less a thought that we hold to be true, you know? Yeah. Um, so now every time you, let's say, go and eat four or five chocolate cookies because you're feeling sad. That's going to register in your conscious brain because your, your filter says that's something that needs to be reinforced because when you hold a belief, our our brain seeks to reinforce beliefs, not change them because our brain, our primal brain, especially wants to keep things the same, maintain equilibrium. And so you might, you might miss, like, let's say most of the time you eat healthy, but your brain, and, and you just sort of ignore that. And then you go and, you know, I don't know, eat five or six chocolate cookies because you just had a hard day and your brain will consciously register that and start to create cognitive distortions around that. Oh, I always do this. Oh, why can't I control myself? And so on. And we start creating these stories and these beliefs around that. And so that starts to influence our behavior. So to to sort of tie it together, we we need to start creating awareness around these things. And that's where we can start to create change. So good.
0: And I think <laughs> Again, lucky. It's always easy to talk about myself mm, yeah. um, <laughs> I talk about I have, myself all the time. <laughs> yeah, I, I got stories to relate to. No, but when I when I think about myself in this situation, that was the first step, so to speak, was mm. to create that awareness. Oh, hey, every day at two o'clock, you know, or around two o'clock. I'm going for the chocolate chips, you know, and then that two o'clock mark was like, okay, one 30 and then one o'clock and then 1230. And I didn't mm-hmm. realize that pattern. It started earlier because I think I told you before we hit record, my oldest daughter was a nightmare mm-hmm. for sleep. And it was probably a little trauma, right? A yeah, little tea yeah. And I was using, like you said, that cho- those chocolate chips to help cope with, okay, we're getting Absolutely. ready for, for nap time. Okay. Where it's going to be like this whole thing and kicking and screaming and crying. And, you know, she didn't do mm. that, but it felt like that for me, yeah. <laughs> you know, cause I'm like, oh my gosh. And it was this dread that would start. And that is how I started to cope with it. And I didn't realize I was doing that until I started a food journal yeah, until I was yeah. like, Oh, Oh, this, <laughs> this yeah. is what I'm doing. You know? So well,
1: yeah. 95% of our brain function is, is unconscious and it, it, it has to be in order for us to function. So or what our brain has to do is like, there's, we could probably say, and I don't have an exact number, but there's like hundreds of thousands, if not millions of sort of stimuli coming our way. Like our senses are always collecting information about our surroundings, light, dark, you know, who's around us, temperature, all this kind of stuff. So our brain is always, you know, collecting this information about our environment, but most of it just gets filtered out because if we tried to register everything all at once, our brain would not literally, but it would feel like it was going to explode. We just wouldn't be able to function, be absolutely paralyzed. So our brain has to figure out what are the important things I need to pay attention to. And of course, the things that are most important are the things that feel like a threat. So, we have this inbuilt, even like negativity bias. So, and then we start to create cognitive distortions, which are like an exaggerated version of reality. And you were kind of describing that a little bit, where it's like, you start to think about, okay, you know, nap, nap time is coming. Oh my gosh, this is going to happen. And this is going to happen. And this is going to happen. And, and so what's happening is you're starting to ramp up the activity in your sympathetic nervous system, the fight or flight kind of response. I'm going to come into conflict here. And yeah. then all the hormones start. And it doesn't even matter what the situation is because the biological perception is I'm under duress right now. I'm under threat right now. And, you know, logically, we go, well, logically, that doesn't make sense. I'm like, yeah, because it's not coming from a logical part of our brain. It's coming from a different part of our brain. So mm. logic doesn't necessarily apply in this situation. Now, in sharing this, I think it's really wow. important that, that so a, um, a central tenet of the work that I do is compassion. And I think it's really important that we understand this because, um, well, let's, let me give you another example here. So let's just say like I, for, for whatever reason, I happen to be in the neighborhood and I drop in. And, you know, hey, Shannon, how's it going? And you kind of have a bag of chocolate (laughs) chips in your hand and you're like looking around furtively like, oh my gosh, you just saw me. What am I going to do? This is, you know, Coach John's nutrition coach and all this. Now, if I was to be like, oh, Shannon, you dummy, what are you doing? Are, Are you stupid? Like, you know better than this. Why are you doing this? So what I've done is immediately triggered a feeling of being judged. Now, when we feel like we're being judged, what happens is we want to hide the behavior. Yeah. So we don't actually want to change the behavior because remember the behavior is a solution to a problem. So behavior exists for a reason. And in the short term, let's say it's a quote unquote, good reason. It alleviates stress. So we actually want to hide the behavior to escape the feeling of judgment. So judgment doesn't actually help us move forward. And I think it's really important to understand that. Now, on the other hand, if I come in and go, oh my gosh, you probably did a stressful day. The kids have been driving nuts, whatever. You might as well just finish the whole bag. Well, that's called enabling, right? So that doesn't move you forward either, Right. So that's yeah. not actually compassion either. So compassion is more like understanding, how do we get here? You know, without, without the lens of judgment, we pull that out of the way and we go, hey, what happened? How did we get here? And we approach it with this, cur- this kind of this kind curiosity where we go, hey, this behavior makes sense. And, you know, let's just, let's connect the dots. Let's figure out why, why you ended up here. And when, when, when we know that we're not going to be judged we don't try to hide the behavior. We now become comfortable with making ourselves aware of it. And so you'll hear me say that compassionate awareness is the space where we create transformation. Compassionate awareness is where we create change because it allows us to bring our struggles, our flaws, our unhelpful behaviors into the light where we can kind of unpack it. We look to understand it and we know we're in a safe place. And I say safe, meaning we, we feel like I'm not going to be judged. And that's what allows us to work through these things. And that's why coaching is such a powerful thing.
0: I, I love that so much because that's one of the big models that I really tried to work on with the women that I work with, mm-hmm. with their thyroid, because a lot of them come from a background of, you know, your, your thyroid kind of slows down your metabolism. Weight is heavily associated with, you know, thyroid. And when the, the, you, the big signs that women start to notice first, right. The fatigue mm-hmm. and the weight mm-hmm. gain and, So they go to the doctor and they might get their thyroid tested or they might not, but the doctor's like, well, you want to lose weight? Well, you know, eat less, exercise more. Most helpful advice in the
1: history of humankind.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Right. Start moving more and, you know, eat less. And so they're coming from this place of nobody else has ever helped me before and Mm. not listening to, Hey, maybe you have some GI issues along with you know, mm-hmm. some poor eating habits or whatever, or you might have, um, I, I, you know, some adrenal stress because you're so burnt out from trying to do all of the things yeah. and, you know, thyroid or and, you know, poor eating, eating habits or whatever, whatever the combination is. And I, I do a lot of question asking for my clients tell me more about that. What do you mean Mm -hmm. by this? You know, those types of things, because if I see, so one of the big things that I do, and I don't know how you approach this, but we do like food journals. I want to see what your habits and patterns are without judgment, right? Just put it all down on paper because more than most likely you're going to do what I did and say, Oh, I didn't realize I was eating chocolate every day. And then start to do some of that self-examination. And, you know, like you said, what was the trigger? Why did you get here? How did that happen? Because then you can say, okay, it was this experience for me, it was nap time with my daughter, (laughs) you know, for you, it sounds like South Africa and, you know, things like that. And, And then we can, I don't have a better word. Maybe you have something like reverse engineer. Mm -hmm. Hey, I need better skills or coping mechanisms for nap time, or Mm -hmm. I need, uh, you know, something to help me better deal and process with this situation so that when something small, even if it's not connected can help me not go to that place of fear or anxiety or whatever that feeling is that is triggering that behavior, right? Uh, absolutely. Right. Am I catching on? <laughs> oh
1: bingo. I was like, yeah, bang on. Um you know when I when I work with somebody, say I have a program called Lifestyle 180 and it says 180 day program. And it's I'm really pleased. Guru, you're the dummy. There's that's not the power dynamic here because that's very disempowering to the individual. And It doesn't give them the opportunity to take ownership over this process because my goal is to work with them for a period of time. And then I say, I want to generate referral business, not repeat business. In other words, I want to work so successfully with you that you're excited to tell other people about the amazing work we did rather than, you know, Whatever I do doesn't work, and that's not to say that everybody's right for me or or that everyone's a success story. That's one of the probably the biggest fallacies or myths in the coaching industry in general. We can't we can't necessarily help everybody, and not everybody's you know going to be a, a shining success story. But what we say is we're two experts collaborating towards a common goal. So you are the expert of your internal environment. You're the expert of your day to day life. You're the expert of your lived experience, and we need that information in order to effectively. Um, create change. Now I'll bring my expertise, obviously nutrition and behavioral psychology and the two together. I say, I'm kind of like a tour guide, but I'm not your Sherpa. In other words, you don't hand me your problems. I solve them and hand them back to you. The problem with mm. that is you don't learn, you don't acquire a new skill. You don't gain, there's no growth that happens, but it's like, I'm going to help you. I'm going to equip you with the tools and the skills to solve those problems yourself. So you become empowered rather than disempowered. Mm. So the the first natural kind of response is just tell me what to do and I'll do it. Now that's a sign I'm stressed. I'm overwhelmed. Just tell me what to do. I don't don't even (laughs) want to think about it. But the truth is if I hand you a whole bunch of rules to follow, you're going to reject them within two weeks or less. You just, you can't maintain it. And so what we do is I call it like a reverse nutrition progression approach. So it's like, we'll build a foundational skill. And it's important that we let's say implement and then get feedback so we have this starting point we try to put it into practice and we see what works what doesn't work how it works what it triggers what do we learn from it and then how do we adjust that to suit you and your individual circumstances okay let's build the next piece in and the next piece in and so like the mindset work is of course a really key important part of this as well because along the way as we try to do this in real life and navigating every curveball gets thrown our way um we have to sort of navigate our, our emotional environment as well. And that's where, again, the coaching really helps us to understand our behavior. But the idea here is ultimately we want to get this process to get easier as time goes on. So we start and we want to create a new habit, for example, we have to start with conscious awareness. We have, to, we have to consciously try to implement this behavior. The more times we repeat the behavior, the less we have to think about it and the easier it becomes until it becomes second nature. And so that's kind of, you know, the goal when we work with people is that they would leave empowered rather than I just have to go to the next program.
0: Yes, absolutely. And, and teaching and learning, teaching and learning, right? Skills to, to better deal with or cope with those situations. And I know my husband, we kind of joke about this years ago, right? Like I didn't have the skills that I now have. And I've spent hundreds of thousands, probably I don't, I don't keep track of dollars on books and resources and coaches and things to learn the skills that I now have so that I have the tool belt. So when something happens, I can pull on a different experience. And I will say I've took a class on um, a technique um, it was a trauma release technique and I Very cool. went to the class. I participated in it because I was like, of course I have trauma. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. And I went through that, that method. And I was like, this method is not for me,
1: mm-hmm. you know, Interesting.
0: but yeah. I wouldn't have known that if I wouldn't have gone through that process. So I think sometimes we also have to, to be mindful of, you know, I'm gonna go in to this experience with an open mind. I'm gonna try it out, and that one, I just I didn't like it. I didn't feel in control, mm-hmm. and that was yeah. at that stage in my healing process was not for me. You know, I probably could go back to it now and have a different experience, but I'm like, oh, I don't know. But <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: But that's a really great example. So, yeah. Um, because, you know as much as like, I think I've created a really amazing program and I've, I've seen some really amazing results from the program. It's I'm not right for everybody. Uh, and I think that's, that's an important thing that, you know, so like I start with somebody and say, like, I'm not, like, I'm not locking you into a 12 month contract, for example, because we want to find out, like I say, I earn my business by being good at what I do, and but genuinely helping you. And at the end of the day, that's, that's the goal. And if I'm not the right fit, I'll probably try to steer you in the direction of somebody who is to make sure you get the help that you, that you need. Um, but I will say like, there's not that many people, usually it's going to be like a complex medical issue. That's probably going to be the thing that I go, okay, that's outside of my scope of practice. Or yeah, you know, even though I have a background in psychology and I've been through trauma myself and trauma counseling and whatnot, I'm not a trauma counselor. So I'm not here to help you heal your trauma. But again, we use, we use the, the, the information, we the understanding of your past and what's happened to you to help inform your present behavior. And it's like, if we can understand your behavior, we can then show compassion for it. Cause it's, I have this, this sort of this lens, I guess you would say that all behavior makes sense. And I don't mean that all behavior is ideal, but it's like, if we can understand the backstory, we can understand sort of the internal environment. We understand how the brain works, the behavior is happening for a reason. And I'm yeah. pretty sure the reason is not that you're a worthless, you know, uh, human being or a waste of skin or, or some of the things I've heard people say. And I'm like, these are not the reasons. And so when Mm -hmm. we know how the brain works, it's like, let's move away from this place of judgment again. Let's look to understand. And then let's work with your brain, the way your brain works to actually create change. Food journal is brilliant. I have my clients take photos of their meals, um, because it's a simple action and, and obviously it's a physical action at first. and, And it's like, take a photo and put your phone away. I don't, you know, it's a, it's a little bit of a pain, but it's a, nobody wants to count calories for the rest of their life. No, <laughs> no <yes. laughs> They just don't. And so, but it, what it does is it triggers the prefrontal cortex. So that's, that's the logical conscious awareness um, part of your brain. And so now you're going to eat with more, more thoughtfulness, but there's a couple of other interesting components. It's like, I don't want to take a photo of this, but why not? Mm-hmm. Where's the judgment coming from? Why do you not want to do this? Because it's not coming from me, but very often we'll, we'll take our own judgment and project it onto somebody else and assume that they must feel the same way. But it's like, there's a learning moment right there. You know, um, maybe a separate example. I had a client uh, get on a call with me. And she's like, oh, I just had a jammed a mouthful of chocolate or a handful of chocolate chips in my mouth right before this call. Oh. And yeah. And I just started laughing. You know, there's no judgment here. I'm like, of course. So she had had maybe a less than ideal week and, and she was worried about talking to me. You know, I'm going to have to tell him these things and he's going to make me feel bad and blah, blah, you know, blah, blah, blah. That's of course not the case, but all this had been playing out in her head. And so she was projecting that saying, well, when we talk, he's probably going to do all in, instead we just had we had a great conversation. And we learned a ton from it. And so it's like, these slip ups are inevitable. <laughs> this yeah. idea that we somehow we have to be perfect in the process of trying to create changes, like the, the most damaging fallacy that, that we could ever sort of try to fall into it's we're, we're going to screw up. and And every time it happens, I'm like, I have this huge grin on my face. I'm like, yes, this is a beautiful learning opportunity. I'm so excited about it because I know that we've reached, you know, a point of creating change. So I just say that to say to people, like, if you're trying to, if you're trying to create change and you're struggling and you're making mistakes, like that's amazing. You're 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 going to learn something from it if you're willing to sort of bring them into the light and then look at it through the lens of compassionate curiosity.
0: Yeah. I my friend. Um, we're going to wrap this up because I got to go get kids from school, but she posted today and I feel like this kind of, um, ties in what you were talking about. It says, I will no longer refer to my challenges as trials and tribulations, but as my learning experiences, I will no longer refer to my shortcomings as a lack of abilities or, or as weakness, but rather as a development opportunity. And I was like, that's so perfect. And I, for me, I, my challenges and my struggles and, you know, trials, whatever you want to call them, I started referring to them last year as my learning opportunities. And so, um, you know, being Christian and things like that, I just start to pray. I'm like, okay, what is, what do I need to learn from this experience? And for me, I've just noticed that the I don't know, maybe, um, that trial or that challenge or struggle or whatever happens so much faster because I'm looking for the lesson and what I can do and how I can take that opportunity and apply it to my life. And, yes. you know, I, I feel like it has given me a different perspective, in terms of, Oh, poor me. And my life was right. so hard. And, you know, I, I look at it as, okay, what am I supposed to learn? Okay. Let me hurry and learn this lesson so I can move on, <laughs> you know, and learn the <laughs> yeah. next one. No, but,
1: um, no, that's, that's a wonderful outlook to have, uh, you know, uh, I'm, I'm a Christian as well. And so, I you know we could probably dive into this in a separate conversation, but really I just kind of look at it like like for example some of the like there's other experiences I've been through that have been incredibly difficult in my life. Um, We only listed one of them, and I look back and I go I would never take those out of my life. They were such important like massive growth experiences that came from that. Yep. And I would not be who I am today if I hadn't gone through those experiences. And it's not to say they're easy, comfortable, or that I really want to go through them, but I'm so grateful for them now. Because it's why I'm doing what I'm doing today.
0: Absolutely. Those challenges, struggles, learning lessons, they make us who we are. And I, yes, I've had many conversations about, hey, I like who I am. And those experiences have shaped me and molded me into the person that I am today. So with that, Jonathan, why don't you tell everybody how to find you on social media? And of course Mm -hmm. we'll link this all up in uh, the show notes as well.
1: Yeah. freedomnutritioncoach.com is is my website. Um, And you can on on all the major social platforms, if you just look up freedom nutrition coaching, you'll find me there. Um, I've got a podcast called between the before and after. And that's where we explore people's stories of overcoming significant obstacles. Cause social media just shows us a before and after photo, but they don't tell the real story. So, um, and it's not really, it's not just about weight loss and health. There's some pretty cool stories in there. You know, uh, a gentleman who was left blind after brain tumor surgery, they became like a, yeah, a, a travel agent, you know, <laughs> like, what a cool story. So I I just love the opportunity to explore that because ultimately like weight loss is just a proxy goal, right? It's really about being able to live life more fully and and experience things in a different way. So um, I'd love to connect with people there.
0: That is awesome. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us. I will have all of this linked up for you guys in the show notes, and we'll see you guys on the next. Wait
1: Wait before before you you go, please subscribe. If you found value in today's episode, Leave us a review and share on Instagram and please tag us. We love your reviews. Pretty please.